Welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete. And my name is Diane. And we are going to talk about something real fun today, at least for me. Yes. Hey, I had fun too. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so last night, uh, we went to the orchestra. We were a bunch of adults doing adult things. Mm-hmm. And it was good, good fun to just listen to some really good classical style music, you know? Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And the fun part was... That it was some great classical music. Mm -hmm. All right, it was Video Games Live. (laughs) Video Games Live, where uh, a very prolific uh, composer uh, who has done over 300 video game soundtracks, apparently, started this uh, touring group that he does many, many years. I remember seeing them, I believe, I want to say like nine years ago, maybe eight years ago. It was around when our relationship started i guess mm-hmm. uh and i remember seeing them live at the at the time sony uh whatever whatever they called it the sony center sony center something mm-hmm. it was a nice nice orchestra place um it's no longer that um i believe but it doesn't matter anyway i was like wow that was a really good time and i happened to be in a shop and i saw an ad for it and i was like oh i got it i gotta go to this again i really enjoyed that and I remember asking you, "Is like, would you would you go to this with me?" Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. Sounds like fun. And so you did. So we're going to talk about that in this episode. I think we might as well just dive right into it. I agree. I wrote uh, a lot of notes. Um, it's fresh in our mind. It was last night. So why don't we just jump through those? And you know, if we have some time at the end, we can recap some other things too. Cool. Sounds good. So. I don't know. First question I want to ask is, did you enjoy the show? What what were your, your thoughts on it, I guess? General thoughts. Uh, Yeah, sure. I definitely enjoyed it. I think that I appreciate uh, orchestra music and live music. Uh, so really, I just kind of enjoyed being able to partake in that and supporting that um and those artists and i don't know it's just a really fun atmosphere like he introduced it as you know when you go to maybe other orchestras or ballets you know no phones no photography no videos certainly no flash photography everyone must stay quiet yeah all those kinds of things um but that is not the etiquette for the video games live yeah um, it's take as many pictures as you want, take videos, post them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, use as much flash photography as possible. Yes. Because it makes us feel like rock stars. Yes. And yeah, if, that was fun. Yeah. And if something's exciting for you, or you're really pumped about like the set, then certainly like you'll yell and cheer and be excited and that's all fun. Um, yeah. So it's just a really like laid back atmosphere. Um, but still, everyone was really appreciative of what was being played. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just fun. Like last year or the year before now, we went to go see um, the Toronto Symphony, Symphony Orchestra mm-hmm. do Ratatouille, where they're playing the Ratatouille yeah. movie, but it's the live orchestra with the soundtrack. So similar sort of setup where there is a screen and a projection. So they're showing clips from the video games while they're playing the music. Um, so that makes it quite interactive and a lot of fun, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that most etched into my mind from the first time I saw it was just how fun it was to hear a live orchestra do these like classic pieces from my childhood. So you get this big nostalgic wave. And uh 
And then that they have the monitor up there, and you get to see, like, you know, Super Mario Brothers running around and collecting power-up mushrooms and fire flowers and stuff. And, and everyone's just laughing, smiling, wooting, whatever you would call it, just cheering out and going, yeah, this is great, whatever, right? Everyone's yeah. just in such a good mood, and I love that vibe about it. So, yeah, I was very happy to do it again. Um, I didn't realize it was Tommy Tallarico's little project. I, I am familiar with him. I remember him from, like, he talked about his TV shows, and I do remember him as a composer for a couple games, mm-hmm. most, most noteworthy, the Earthworm Jim uh, series. Uh, but I had no idea that he had been so prolific and so involved. Uh, so it kind of makes sense. Like, he's almost like a John Williams to the movie world of composers, right? So he's kind of representing uh, composers from this uh, media, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that he's sort of taken upon himself to sort of bring it to people. And I and I did like how he spent a little time to talk about how this media is growing, certainly. And it, it's huge, but uh, there's still some, you know, older, foggy people who don't see it as an art or don't recognize it as anything other than boops and bleeps. So it's kind of nice to have that, sort of see it as an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just go from the top. From the very top, I was actually worried because when Tommy came <laughs> out with his guitar mm-hmm. and was just jamming along to the orchestra much louder than the orchestra, it was just like, oh no, are we going to see a show where this guy just doodles around on top of an orchestra much louder than them on his little guitar? And it's like, I want to be a rock star and this is my show. Mm-hmm. Same was, feeling here. Yeah, those are my initial concerns. But, you know, luckily after a couple songs, he, uh, he, he took a side seat and let the orchestra do their thing. Mm-hmm. One more thing, actually, uh, I thought about this later. The sound, like, it seemed off at first, right? Like, he was way louder, and it got better as the show went on. Mm-hmm. But that was also because the soundboard yeah. had broken before the show started. The show was late. And I remember seeing these two to three guys trying to carry this giant thing onto the stage. And I was yep. like, what is that? That looks yep. like a soundboard. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if they like broke yeah. their thing. And then I saw a guy walk around and start checking the mics. And I was like, they should have done this a long time ago. Yeah, I'm looking at you, you know, experienced rock star. Yeah, and I was like, like, you do sound checks like not hours five before, minutes yeah. before the show is supposed to start. Yeah, the show's supposed to start at eight, 8 and it's like 8.05 and there's this guy walking around the stage like tapping mics. And I'm like trying to read the faces of all the, uh, mostly the orchestra. I was probably looking right. at the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Should have looked at the staff. Yeah. I, I was looking at the ushers. They seemed calm. Okay. But probably yeah, in the back, the sound people were probably freaking out because <laughs> they didn't have a machine to output any sound. Um, and that's why I think the intro also, the, they were running a video and it was really quiet and not working quite properly. Right, and then they ended up right, stopping right, right, it right, and right, then right, they right, restarted right. it. So that was kind of neat. Like it didn't start... <laughs> it didn't start very smoothly, the show, mm-hmm. but I think it got a lot better um, as it went on. And uh, my initial fears about Tommy sort of being, this is my show, look at me, everybody. He, he I don't know, initially came off a little, I guess, full of himself, but uh, he, he grew on me. And I think he did a really good job of uh, engaging the audience. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, one of the things that was different this time from previous years is he he had a lot of talking parts in between songs Uh, i wasn't really a fan of that but i thought that might have been nice for you for someone who maybe Mm -hmm. uh, is less familiar with some of the content like he's giving you backstories of how stuff was made Mm -hmm. uh, what this title is about or who these people are and why they're important 
you know, so an outsider like yourself might enjoy it. Yeah, that part was very helpful for me. I think the one point that he was going on a little bit too long is kind of the intro when he was... Talking about his credentials? Talking about his credentials and going through all these, like, jokes. I'm like, okay, can we can we stop with the jokes? Like, we get it. You're funny. One joke. Like, let's move on to the... <laughs> To the show portion, but right. that was just one part at the beginning. And who knows? He could have actually been stalling and trying to keep talking. I to think make he sure, was. To make sure that they got the sound right. He made a joke. Oh, uh, you probably just think I'm stalling. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I was like, you know what? Maybe he is. Because mm-hmm. that's like the best magic trick is when you say mm-hmm. you're doing something and then you tell him mm-hmm. you're not doing something as a joke, but then yep. really it's the truth <laughs> is you're actually doing it, you know? Yep. Totally. So, it. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um. The show overall was kind of cool because it was kind of like, you know how in the podcast I've been talking a lot about, it feels like everything I like, no one likes. Yes. I, I made this like a little point and I wanted to sort of revisit this as we do the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this was a time period where uh, it was actually not that scenario. I, I was in a place where they were playing all of the music I wanted to hear mm-hmm. and um so what I have right in front of you right now, this is going to be kind of part of the podcast. I have like every game that was featured in the symphony. Oh, there's nice. a stack okay. of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are all games that I love and own. So like even the really obscure ones are are in here. So I don't know. I don't know if you wanted to like have a look through that. Maybe we'll do that as we do the show. It's kind of neat, but everything that is that was being played or featured was something from my childhood or something that I think was cool at one point. The only exception is uh, in the middle of the show, they had the composer from Blizzard mm-hmm. come up with this very shy older man with long hair uh, who had done, uh, apparently he was a composer for Tiny Toon Adventures and uh, Animaniacs. Animaniacs. Like Those are really good cartoon shows with great music. And then he moved into video games as well. And and uh, he did uh, games like World of Warcraft and Overwatch, which are huge, hugely popular games, but I'm not really into those, and I've never really gotten into those. So it was kind of neat. I mean, those are the only real two exceptions. Everything else, although everything I'm aware of, but like in general, it felt like this show was designed for people like me. And I always feel like everywhere I go, everything's designed for everyone else, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? These are your people. These are my peeps. That's what I was thinking, yeah, when I was hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was really fun. That is cool. Uh, yeah, there were uh, a few people dressed up for the occasion, which was fun. There was a whole little family where dad was Yoshi and mom was Peach and the kid was Mario. <laughs> Mario. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that, the idea of uh, a Mario family coming to the orchestra? Well, that's cute. Like, you know, have fun with it. Like family bonding. Yeah. Isn't this nice? See, I thought about this a little bit because mm-hmm. to my left of where I was sitting, we actually weren't sitting next to each other, um, was a grandma. And I was talking with her a bit and she said that she had bought tickets to the orchestra for her grandchildren mm-hmm. as a Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had three generations of their family there, basically. And there were these young, young boys, and then the mother, and then the grandmother, mm-hmm. all there. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting, like how, I mean, they call it a new medium, but obviously, you know, there's a few generations of people who have been in, enjoying these games. 
and it struck me at parts in the show, which we'll get to later, maybe weren't appropriate for little kids. You know, I guess they were mm-hmm. going for an all ages. Maybe mm-hmm. there was no swearing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of the violence and the clips, things like that, mm-hmm. maybe not great. Um, but I don't know. It, it just made me more aware when there's like a kid sitting next to you. I was like, this doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> I don't know. I get that way. Uh, but at the same time, I love that idea of doing an outing and supporting this kind of activity yeah. with your grandkids and your kids. Well, that's like, the other thing. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's the other thing that the, the grandmother said is she used to go to orchestras all the time when she's young, and mm-hmm. she wanted to sort of blend their interests, I guess. There you go. Like, and let's go to the orchestra, but hey, it's video games. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah, and even Tommy sort of mentioned that, which I appreciate is it's like when he first started it, people said thought it was like too much of a niche thing because it's like mm-hmm. people who play video games don't go to the orchestra, and people who go to the orchestra don't play video games. What are you thinking? And, yes. Uh, sure enough, it... I guess really worked. Uh, so much so, I didn't realize how uh, popular or profitable Video Games Live was. Like, they were making records. Their PBS special, they said, was like eighth, the eighth most successful special of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, cracking many, like, uh, music records with their album releases. Uh, I wish I'd written all of it down, but I was like, I had no idea. I mean, I remember watching the show and going, that, well, that was cool. I'll probably never get to see it again. Hmm. And then it seemed like years passed and I didn't hear anything about it. And then I just randomly heard they're in town again. And it sounds as if they've been coming back fairly regularly and maybe you've yeah. missed some of them. I totally have. I haven't been, I guess, paying enough hmm. attention. Um, but then you you tell me my cousin went to a show in Vancouver yep. a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And they're announcing that they're playing... Kitchener. Kitchener, yeah. Kitchener, Waterloo. So I was like, wow, that's cool. So not so small. Not so small anymore. And they probably go globally. That's my thinking, yes. Well, at least the states in Canada. But don't you think that something like this would be popular in Japan? Yeah, I think in Japan, in Japan, they already have something like this. Oh, okay. For years now, uh, there's been a Final Fantasy Orchestra tour ah, as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, which yeah. is actually done by that composer as well, who's very renowned. Got it. So uh, that actually came to Toronto, and I missed it, and I was a little sad because I wanted to check that out too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what else do we want to talk about? Let's talk a little bit about each of the pieces. What was played there? Um, so the show opened up with Castlevania, mm-hmm. which is this uh, game based on, I guess, Dracula. Okay. And vampires and stuff. I've mm-hmm. never really gone into that. Um, and that one does usually have very heavy, crazy guitar. Uh, one thing in Japan is they love their fast electric guitar mm. in their rock bands. Mm-hmm. And uh, Castlevania's definitely embraced that. So having Tommy come out and open with that and doing crazy guitar solos and stuff made a lot of sense for mm-hmm. that track. But it's never been a series that I've been that interested in. Um, and it seemed appropriate, but it also didn't sound very good because it was the opening song. But you were not impressed with that. Yeah. Uh, no, not really, because like you, I wasn't a super huge fan of Tommy playing guitar over top of the orchestra. Um, it also was a game I'd never heard of before. So immediately my kind of first thought was like, yeah, I'm totally just going to sit here and not recognize 
anything and maybe they'll play the Mario theme at some point <laughs> and then I'll be okay. But I was like, totally like, I've never heard of this game at all. And everyone else is like super pumped and there's parts where they go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so, but you know, I just sat on through, didn't panic. Yeah. Here to enjoy it. Here to hear something new. Yeah. And then right after that, he went into a Mega Man song mm-hmm. and Mega Man is a classic series that I remember from my youth. Mm-hmm. Um, Mega Man 2 was given to my older brother. Mm-hmm. That came out in 1988 when you were born. Woo woo. And uh, the music in that game was so stellar that even my band Yartrip covered it live back when we played in Healy's. We would play some songs from that. Oh, cool. Uh, and even Field Processor once randomly played the same song that the orchestra did. Uh, on a stream just for fun Uh, we just sort of broke into it it actually worked really well which is pretty funny so uh i appreciated that was in there because that's a great series for music but again the mix was not very good at that point it was just all guitar very very loud and very hard to tell what's going on um but on that point what i thought was really neat about the show and in its entirety is both mega man and castlevania are two series of games that uh, the publishers, Capcom and Konami in question, have kind of abandoned. Hmm. They're no longer really making games for them. And and I noticed this theme as uh, the show went on that Tommy seems to be showing a passion for games that people love, and he seems way more in tune to what people love, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of companies seem out of tune for what people are looking for, Right. Um, And I kind of dug how he was pulling out all these gems that I guess some would say are not current Mm -hmm. or the norm now, but I think people are starving to see come back, Hmm. which is kind of a cool thing. Neat. Uh, Castlevania actually has a Netflix series right now, randomly. Oh. Um, But uh, I don't know that we're going to hear from that ever again because the company that owns it konami Mm -hmm. has pretty much almost announced that they're no longer going to make games anymore um and they've given up on all of their ips so there's that (laughs) well you never know what's going on in the companies (laughs) and what their priorities are and what they have to focus on Mm -hmm. um like yeah old games are great but maybe you have to innovate and if you're innovating do you have enough resource to allocate to yeah, other things. absolutely. But it is interesting that, I mean, with business, mm-hmm. if you see a demand, sometimes I just feel like they're out of touch. Like, mm-hmm. if there's enough of a demand that mm-hmm. people are going wild at an orchestra and mm-hmm. are, are going for this, or that there are these Kickstarters mm-hmm. for, uh, in both of these cases, there's been Kickstarters from the original creators who oh. have been fired from their companies. Okay. And they go off on their own and they make basically the same game, but without the name. So instead of... Uh, Mega Man 9, mm-hmm. they released a Mighty Number no. 9. Right, okay. I think it was. Yeah. It turned out not to be so good, but that was the original creator, and he had released a Kickstarter and made lots of money because it was in okay. demand. People wanted it. Okay. Um, and similarly, there's a Castlevania-like by the person who's developed the original Castlevania who's no longer working for Konami. So it's kind of neat how that uh, cool. happens. Uh, similarly, uh, Kojima being let go from Konami is doing his own thing too. So 
there's a huge amount of people crazy about what, what's coming there. Uh, similarly, Mr. Mario, everyone loves Mario, mm-hmm. Mario, Mario. Uh, when they're running the video clips, a lot of the video clips were from what most people call the least favorite Mario game ever made, called Super Mario Sunshine. It was a GameCube game Ooh. in which he has a water pack and okay. he cleans up graffiti. Nice. <laughs> but they showed a lot of clips from that. And I was like, that's interesting because you're like picking all of the less popular options almost. And mm-hmm. that, again, was kind of speaking to me in a way. It's like you're not taking the easy pop route. You're kind of going in an edgy, I don't know, fan's choice or something. And I, I kind of appreciate that. I, I got a kick out of that. That could be cool. That also could be cheaper to oh, put into the show. Footage? Now that I think about it. Yeah. Footage-wise or gaining the rights to use it or how much it costs to show it, etc. Yeah. But also kind of filling the niche of this is classic and people love this, so we're going to include it. So mm-hmm. working very favorably for video games love. Yeah. So what do you think? They, they eventually got into the Metroid mm-hmm. uh, series. Not something I'm familiar with at all either. So that kind of washed over my head. Yeah. And I remember I told you, I think in the intermission, mm-hmm. how special that was. Yeah. Because I remember that first came out in the 80s, probably again when you were just born. So I, you're forgiven for not knowing about it. But as far as I know, that's like the first female protagonist in a video game. Or at least the first female protagonist in a video game that isn't treated in a candy, cookies, princess, pink kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, the series is obviously incredibly inspired by aliens. Um, instead of a character named Ripley, there's a character named Ridley. And it's about a woman kicking ass, being a bounty hunter, and attacking aliens. So nice. there's some similarities there. But... Uh, when it was first released, you know, you just never really, in the old games, you never really had backstories. It was just like, Samus is out here, and she has to kill all the bad, evil Metroids or whatever. Metroids are the villains. And, uh, yeah, it's not revealed until, like, the end of the game that she'll either take off her helmet or more, depending on how well you do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's a girl. And I kind of dug that, although you can say it's kind of sexist that she has to take off her clothes and then she's in a bikini or something. It's really cool that for a long time in the 80s or 90s, people referred to Samus as a he. And then the big, I guess, uh, twist ending is, no, she can do anything a he can do. And that did ignite a lot of girl gamers from back in the day. It was like, no, women women can be powerful too. So I thought that was really cool. I'm glad that got... Uh, some nods at the orchestra as well because that is not one of the highest uh, selling Nintendo franchises and actually it's been quite dormant for a while. Mm -hmm. So it's great that that got a nod as well. Good music. Very moody. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, Yeah, eventually the first act ended with Zelda. Yes. And that was the crowd pleaser. Mm What did you think of that one? That's really good. Like, I feel like the music of Zelda particularly is uh, more conducive to being very well played with an orchestra. I don't know if you're Mm -hmm. planning on bringing this up later, but it felt like there were some pieces in the first act 
that had a background soundtrack going on at the same time as the live orchestra. Definitely. Um, I noticed that during Metal Gear, because they have some intense percussion and blips and bleeps and other things going on in that. And then there were some where they definitely had like voices Mm -hmm. and there were no, there was no chorus. So I don't, I don't, or choir. I I didn't see any, any of that. So it seemed like some stuff was pre-recorded, but that was kind of impressive on its own too. I don't know if you notice any of the video footage sometimes would line up very well with their like hits and their cymbal crashes. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like, you know, I kind of get it at the same time. You can play along to pre-recorded music. Like if your conductor is good enough to keep the time perfect and, uh, so that in a way was impressive too, but the Zelda one did seem like the first one where it was really like the orchestra on its own. The, it seemed like at that point, the sound guy finally got everything perfectly <laughs> set. It was the end of act one. It was mm-hmm. like their big crescendo mm-hmm. and, uh, people love their Zelda. People went wild. Yep. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a really good finale for act one. Do you know that song? Is that a familiar song? I'm curious how many of these like themes. Uh, not too not really. much. Not really. No. Because you a are a good lovely gauge. piece of music. Yeah, you're a good gauge for me to know what the common uh, person might know. <laughs> what the lay person? Yeah, lay person <laughs> in video games. Yeah, exactly. Nice. I'm now the lay person. I think. <laughs> I feel like everyone could probably hum the Super Mario theme. Yes. I think that is pretty much internationally known as far as a uh-huh. game sound. Uh-huh. Maybe the Tetris theme too, but that's also a hmm. Russian theme song. So kind of different. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a great choice for the end of Act 1. And then I was like, well, where are they going to go from here? It seems like they've done the best. What's Little did left? you know, there well, was so much good stuff coming. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Undertale was played. Undertale's funny. Um that's a yeah, indie I, game. I didn't know this one at all. That's a very, very small game. It was made, by, I believe, by one person. Um, originally just on PC. And it got huge, huge fandom. A lot of people followed it. Like, the video clips that they were playing mm-hmm. was all animated by fans. That was not footage from the game. Oh, cool. And it was very, very cool looking. The game itself was not that cool looking. It looks very simple. It's very pixelated. Um, people love it. Uh, I picked it up on my Vita cause it came out on that and I don't personally get it. I find it kind of slow, <laughs> but people love it. And it was really cool that that made it into the show as well, nice. because it's again, another sign that the masses aren't determining what goes into this orchestra. Like if, if they were just playing songs from the most popular, uh, and like the best, uh, earning games, Right now, mm-hmm. we would be hearing nothing but Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto Five, and uh, Destiny. You don't know what I'm talking about, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, no. Um, he, Tommy, did mention that apparently there were Facebook polls asking for votes of what songs people wanted to hear. So. Obviously, the masses spoke because I feel like, regardless of whether I knew them or not. I think all the music was very well received. There were definitely people getting excited about whatever was being played. So I think they hit like bang on what was going to be popular with our group there. And maybe the Facebook group helped with that, but maybe also 
the people that play these types of games are the ones that are going to the symphony and the ones that are playing the Call of Duty type of games are not the ones that maybe go to the symphony. Mm-hmm. And I do remember before uh, we actually went out, I think like the day or the night before, two nights before maybe, I was starting to play some of these soundtracks for you, which are very orchestral a mm-hmm. lot of the times. So. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was playing you this one, Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been playing that one recently too. Very epic. Yep. You you don't like it when when the giant monsters get stabbed in the head and the black ooze comes out. <laughs> like me personally, I don't no. like it? Oh. No one does. It's bad. It's yeah. Sad. I mean, you're kind of like, oh, man. I mean. The poor Colossus. Yeah. He's all dead now. Yes. Uh, very beautiful game. It's uh, It's the best anti-game I've ever played. What's an anti-game? What I mean by that is, well, I guess you're like an anti-hero. You're you're trying to save your 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 significant other by basically murdering a bunch of colossus. Oh, okay. You're supposed you've been told that that will revive her. Oh. I won't I say how that turned out, but it's not good. <laughs> but basically, when you defeat something, you feel bad about it. Like, it's the absolute opposite of, like, Monster Hunter, where it's like, yeah, I beat the monster. Mm-hmm. And this one, you're like, oh. Wow. You, you watch it collapse, and it makes you feel bad. It makes you think about what you're doing. Huh. And uh, it has incredible orchestra music. Look that up on YouTube, guys. If you're listening to the podcast, you will not be disappointed. Uh, this one popped up, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. Okami. Didn't know this one either. Uh, was a very small project released uh, in the PlayStation 2 era. Um, And it was by a little company within Capcom, and they ended up uh, canning all of them, firing them all, because it wasn't very successful. Like, it didn't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a really cool project, again. It was a well-designed project, and uh, people cling on to these things that are artistic and interesting. Mm -hmm. And Okami is, like, all about uh, Japanese... uh, What's it called? Not myths, I guess? Or folk, sure. folklore? Folklore, legends. Yeah, legends and stuff like that. So it's about this like wolf god, Amaterasu. Oh man, I wish I was better at this. I should look up my facts before I start talking, I guess. Um, but it's a very beautiful game. What was neat about it is uh, instead of like just, you know, shooting things and guns and blah, 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 instead you're like this wolf and then every once in a while you can pause the game and a paintbrush will come out and you do like brush strokes to create magic and stuff. Hmm. So when the Wii came out, they actually ported it to that so you could use your Wiimote to do brush brush strokes, which was really, really cool. And I was like, that's a really innovative game. Um, And it's great that uh, still many, many years later, people still look fondly upon it and uh, yeah, made it into the orchestra, which surprised me. That was one of the gems that I didn't expect. Cool. Uh, Let's talk Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is a very long-running series that mm-hmm. I think actually, like I mentioned before, started the whole idea of an orchestra playing uh, music live. That sounds correct. Again, I, if I were to pick you know, a soundtrack that would be very, that would work very well with an orchestra, probably be a top pick. Yeah, this was, uh, this was good. It was interesting that they picked the 10th one. Instead of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, or 15, there's a lot of them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this one, yeah, always kind of, I think it's one of my favorites. So it was really neat that they picked that one too. I don't know that it is most people's favorites. So it was a weird choice again. Um, it has a great, beautiful piano line and it was a really mm-hmm. nice piano piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a funny video accompanied to it. I don't know if you remember that. But it was essentially just a bunch of people dressed up like the characters playing around um, on the a beach. Sand. Yeah, that was really <laughs> random. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. I think I was just enjoying the music at that point because okay. there was, and there was like two, but then there was more of them. And you're like, oh, there's more weird people doing stuff on the beach. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, so those are all the main characters. But I mean, they're real life. Uh, they, they're called cosplayers. Yes. Have you heard this term? Yes. So I believe that term is uh, derived from costume play. Mm. Um, So a lot of people like to dress up their favorite characters. It's an anime usually or video games. Mm -hmm. So that was like a fan video. It was very well done. I know it was cheesy and kind of weird because Japanese hair, especially from video games and anime, can be very all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with the dudes, they kind of look a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But... It was actually very well done. They had a lot of the motions almost exactly like the game. And there were parts where I wasn't sure if they were showing clips from the game or from their live thing. So it was actually quite well done. But I wanted to get your take on that just because that was like full nerding out to video games with that clip. Did that just weird you out? It's not like I was weirded out. Like I went into this whole experience thinking there was definitely going to be stuff that I wasn't going to get. So that was just something that I didn't get. And that's probably when my mind wandered and I started to just enjoy the music and think about other things. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you came in as a nerd of science and you're like getting prepared to be nerded out in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Like I would not expect you to enjoy a science conference at all. True. And there might be a point where they start talking about something and you're like, oh, yeah, totally. And you focus in for like maybe a specific segment of something. Like, that was really cool. Just like I have stuff that I was like, no, that was really great. Um, And then other stuff that you're just like, nope, nope, definitely just like, whoo, right over the head. I think there was one time you were talking about genes and like peptides and uh, what was it? There was a bunch of things, and I, mm-hmm. I suddenly was, like, understanding everything you were talking about, and I was, like, joining you in a conversation, and you're like, how, how do you know this? And it's like, oh, it's all in Metal Gear. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's all about gene therapy and stuff like that, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a neat one. Uh, sure, yeah. And very beautiful. Uh, oh, play. yeah. Now that I see the case, like, right here, I'm like, there was definitely that character yeah. with the giant This bow is why I back. wanted to bring this out, just sort of this sort of, you can yeah. see some of the visuals and yeah, kind of no idea put the two together. Were. I think part of me, too, is just like, those crazy Japanese people. <laughs> well, you're half crazy, then. I am. I think it works really well for my personality. Yeah. So, on uh, that front, Final Fantasy... Uh, a really cool thing happened um, in the 2000s is the company that makes Final Fantasy, apparently in Japan, they shared the same building as their Disney, a, a Disney company in that mm. in that building. And the, the old story was that an employee from Disney and an employee from Square, mm-hmm. who does Final Fantasy, met in an elevator and talked about something. And then they went on to go, hey, let's make a game together. And that created Kingdom Hearts. Which is a very bizarre, Uh, I think that's a fake story, by the way, but it's a very 
it was a very bizarre thing. And I remember when it was happening, it was like, this doesn't make sense. This will never happen. And to this day, it still doesn't really make sense because with how Disney protects their properties so uh, strongly, right? Like they're mm-hmm. always locking things in the vault and mm-hmm. it's like a, they don't really share their things with other stuff, although it's changed a lot recently. Certainly in the 2000s, they were a very different company than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's neat that they had this collaboration where they got very Japanese anime style working with very classical animation Western style and fused together to create this very bizarre uh, uh, game where you get to go through multiple Disney worlds. Like you go into an Aladdin world, you meet the genie, he becomes a summon for mm-hmm. you to use on other characters. Uh, it's very crazy. And then in the next level, you're uh, going down vines with Tarzan. And it's like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you'll be uh, trapped in Alice in Wonderland or the Nightmare Before Christmas. Like all of these were stages in this game. So it was neat that they brought that up uh, at the orchestra as well because Tommy said, I talked to Disney about showing a bunch of Disney footage instead of game footage for this one. Mm-hmm. Disney said no. Just joking. I thought Disney would say no. But again, yeah. this is how this happened. And uh, I was wondering specifically for this game because all of these other uh games showing the footage and and stuff on the screen was very nostalgic for me but for kingdom hearts they were showing nothing but disney footage which i assume you've seen and grown up on Mm -hmm. did you at least get a little bit of nostalgic feels from that segment um yes uh funny enough we played a lot of Disney soundtracks on our drive through the mountains. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my uh, Disney nostalgia actual moment because I was singing all the songs and thinking back to all them being like, oh yeah, these are great. Uh, so seeing, hearing the songs during that road trip was more nostalgic than seeing the footage. Oh yeah? Yeah. Because when I saw it, I was like, that's gorgeous. Like all the little clips from classic disney like bambi and they were doing all the tear scenes during the sad part of the song and everyone's crying yeah <laughs> and well and i grew up with like a very specific set of disney movies so somehow i missed a lot of winnie the pooh bambi mm. um dumbo dumbo little mermaid for some reason like i think i've seen little mermaid but it's not been the one that I resonate with the most, or obviously not the one that was purchased for me, so not one that I saw repeatedly. Well, that's because it went to the vault. So I think you're just younger, that's all. Okay, because I was a Aladdin, Lion King, Cinderella, like those... Lion King, yeah. Um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was one that I... I guess I owned it, so I saw it Came a lot. Back, yeah. Um, so those were the ones that I saw. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then there'd be ones like probably 101 Dalmatians, never seen. No, 101 Dalmatians one? I saw. See, so there's some like older-ish okay. ones that I saw, and then some that I definitely didn't. Lady and the Tramp, I never saw. Yeah, that's like, a, that one's not one of their big, Fan- big ones. Yeah, though. Fantasia, I never saw. Um, like a, hu- a huge one. Alice in Wonderland, never. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very imaginative, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so some I see, some I don't. So I see clips like this, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, but I don't really, like, that's not what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. 
But it's really wild. Not to say it wasn't good. It was, again, that was probably one of uh, the nicer ones, too, because it was orchestra. There was no crazy guitar going. <laughs> yes, that's true. So. Yeah. I think it's also because the nature of those games are very orchestrated, so yeah. it actually works yeah. really yeah. well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow of the Colossus would have worked really well, too, but there's a lot of drums in that, so I think they may have recorded some of the big, yeah. big booming mm-hmm. uh, I think I was looking rings. for that, too, because I could see... You could hear the guy with the big, big timpanis at the back, and there seemed to be more than just what he was doing. So I don't know if there was another guy at the back doing it or if it was pre-recorded. Anyways, this is the other one over here. Yeah. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about uh, was Tommy was mentioning he had like 300 games he worked on or movies, TV series, whatever, but there was still one that was his favorite. And I started wondering, what could that be? Mm-hmm. And, and then he said it was Earthworm Jim. And I thought that was crazy because that's what I know him most for. But again, it was not a huge seller. Like it, the company that released it actually went out of business. Um, and I don't even know who owns the rights for it anymore. Like it's kind of just lost. But uh, it was cool seeing the um, uh, the screen with all the video for it. Because I kind of forgot how how well done it was. Like, the animation was incredible for its time. Uh, They had really good animators working on it. And the soundtrack was really good. I do remember that about it. But I was curious, again, your perspective, the outside perspective. um, I really liked the video clips they were showing. I don't know if any of that, if you remember any of it, or if it struck out to be interesting to you. Um, like I, I'm familiar with Earthworm Jim because really? you've played it before oh. and I think, yeah, you've played it before. Okay. And I was just kind of, I just thought it was funny that it was this earthworm that was just running around and you're like, haha, Earthworm Jim. And then you see it and you're like, oh, he totally is an earthworm. Cause like his head is just floppy like an earthworm. Yeah. But he finds a super suit. Um, so he's a worm uh, in the suit. Yeah. Yeah. So then he has legs. Well, that's a suit. They're with- not his legs. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Anyways, um, but they even showed him, like, saving the princess, and then a cow uh-huh. lands on her. Uh-huh. There's all this just random, silly, cartoon mm-hmm. nonsense. Yes. Um, and I don't really have anything further to say from that, other than, like, <laughs> hey, it's Earthworm Jim. Like, I don't have any insight to that. I'm just like, okay. oh, because you've told me about Earthworm Jim. I've seen you play it before. Mm. I was like, oh, it's Earthworm Jim. That's okay. all. You didn't, you weren't even like, wow, that's a cool animation or anything like that? No, because I've seen you play it before. So okay. I feel like my initial like, oh, that's cool animation should have been when I first saw you playing it. Right, right. So, True. no, you got my latent, I've seen this before, whatever. It's just Earthworm Jim reaction. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very good uh, way to sort of uh, time capsule of the 90s, I guess. Cool. Because um, everything's extreme and comical. Yeah, it's about a worm that finds a suit. This is like during, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is huge. Right. What's the okay. next best thing we can do? Oh, let's do cheetahs. Oh, let's do frogs. Let's do biker mice from Mars. No, let's do let's do a worm that finds a suit. Yes. And, and we'll <clears> call <throat> him Jim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had a cartoon ser- series for like a year or two. So like it was a thing. Nice. Pretty crazy. Anyway, that was a fun uh, uh, fallback. So, yeah, we're, we're about done here. Um, I do remember before the show, I was like... Well, you're not going to talk about how it ended? 
That's that's the end. Oh, okay. That's the end. Okay, okay, okay. Before <laughs> I want to get to this verse. Before the show, we did talk about like what would be really cool, right? Uh, for them to play. Yes. And uh, I think I named off a few things. It would have been neat yeah. if they played The Witcher, right? Because Witcher's been my right. most Witcher. recent uh, love. I, yeah, I do think they checked off a lot of your boxes, though. They did. So. First one was Metal Gear showed up, and they even had mm-hmm. Kojima, Hideo Kojima, introduce it, mm-hmm. which I, th- oh, I thought that was crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what was I getting at? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they hit a lot of the my favorites, Shadow of the Colossus. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, yeah, I was tearing up for Metal Gear. I actually like, got my first tear on that. Um, but my favorite game of all time. You even looked back at me and was like, there it is. Corona Trigger. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was great. <laughs> that was so great. That just, that, that hit the spot. Yep. Um, and you know what was even better about it? How crazy everyone else went for yes. it, too. Yes. They said it was the number one requested song. Mm-hmm. I'm with number one now. Like, again. <laughs> Suddenly, I you felt know. like it was in an alternate dimension where mm-hmm. all of a sudden things I like, other people like. Yes. Other people think this is the best game ever made. I'm not wrong about that. So there you go. You are the norm. How does that feel? <clears throat> You're always trying to get away from being the norm. <laughs> I guess I'm accepting it in this case. So that was really cool. Yeah. What did you think of the Chrono Trigger slash Chrono Cross piece? Um, that had very... um. Eastern-y guitar stuff going on, too. It was really cool. Oh, okay, yeah. See, at a certain point, it starts to blend together a little bit. (laughs) That's fine, that's fine. Oops, yeah, no. Um, But definitely, like, I obviously know that's your favorite game, so it's kind of like, oh, yay, they're playing his favorite game. I think a lot of it, too, is kind of like maybe how you feel when we go to, or we went to a great big C concert because I am super excited. This is like the first time I've seen my favorite band live and I know all of their songs off by heart. And I was just having the time of my life, just like sitting there dancing and singing all the songs. And yes, you probably enjoyed yourself, but you don't know it as in depth, but you're just having fun because I'm having fun. So I'm just enjoying it because you're enjoying it. No. Yeah. I do remember the first time uh, we went to a great big C concert. My favorite part about it was watching how much you were loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So same sort of feeling. Yeah. Cool. So that about wraps it up. There were a couple mm-hmm. other gems, like uh, they did that uh, lawyer DS game with the guy that points. Ace. Phoenix? Ace Attorney. Ace, oh, okay. Yeah, Phoenix. Oh, my goodness. I can't remember the name. I don't know that one either, but I know of it, and I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool that they brought that one up, too. Great clips for that game, too. I've never mm-hmm. played it, but that just looked like Totally insane Japanese version of a lawyer game, but that was cool. And <clears throat> now we are at the end of the show. So okay. I was like, what could they possibly end on? Hmm. Oh, I forgot. The most successful video game franchise of all time. Even more so than the other ones I mentioned earlier. And you actually knew this song more than I did. Twist mm-hmm. ending. Yes. What was it, honey? Take it away. Pokemon. Um, and I guess growing up with a younger brother and Pokemon was super crazy when I was in public school that 
they played the theme song and I was thinking that I don't really remember watching the show, but these lyrics are coming back and I'm like, oh my goodness, these are very familiar. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. And they had the original singer who recorded the song. Yeah, for the animated series. For the animated series, they had him come on stage. He's super animated, got really into it, and he's just belting it. Tommy's back with his guitar. Mm -hmm. And this is the encore, by the way. This is like... The Ender Ender. The Ender Ender. Yeah. They have um, inflatable Pokeballs (laughs) that are in the crowd. Oh, yeah, bouncing around. Yeah, Yeah, bouncing around. There was just so much energy at the end. And yeah, everyone knew this song. I was like, yeah, everyone was wow. singing along, except yeah. me. I don't know the words. <laughs> I just thought that was such a crazy yeah. moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, this game. The one game I've never played and don't know about, but that everyone has played and knows about. Yep, I definitely, my brother had a Game Boy Color, I think. Yeah, but honey, even like a year ago, or maybe it was a year and a half ago, that whole Pokemon Go yeah. Crazy, you know, yeah. with the iPhones yep. and, and people getting together in parks and just like waves of people mm-hmm. stopping traffic. Mm-hmm. It's such a craze and the craze mm-hmm. has not gone away. So it's like <laughs> all ages too. Like there's yep. new kids who love Pokemon. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, that's mom and dad's game. It's like, no, th- it's still a thing. Wild. And uh, yeah, that was the right choice to uh, end on because that was huge and people were very excited. <laughs> Yeah, that was a very energizing way to finish off the evening. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun. And that was Video Games Live. Mm-hmm. There's so much more we could talk about. We could talk about how Tommy went into a box during the Metal Gear part and snuck around the stage. That was really <laughs> cool. There was the part where the Super Mario composer was on a video doing his best English and is like, mm-hmm. people still listen to the song 20 years later. And mm-hmm. he does this funny hand gesture. Like, yes. Huh. <laughs> yep. Lots of great moments. It was a great show. I enjoyed myself very much. Yay! So yeah, we'll definitely have to keep a lookout and head back. It's fun. It's a nice night out. <clears throat> yeah, and I recommend it to anyone else. Keep keep your eyes out for that. Uh, even if you're not necessarily a huge game fan, it's a fun it's a fun event to go to. Um, lots of laughing, lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty long. Yeah, I think we better wrap it up. Yeah. So thank you to Field Processor for our intro and outro music. You can catch them Thursday night for their Twitch live streams. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody else has seen the show, feel free to send us an email, ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Did I get that right? Ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Send in your stories. Correct. Uh, and yeah, until next time. Take one more. For the road. 